Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome to Nightlight, everybody. So good to have you visiting with us again. It's always a pleasure when I get to share my friends with my friends and information with other people and insight and excitement. It it really is a special time for me to be able to get out on the airwaves and let people know what's going on and, and the fascinating people that I have met and convinced to come on to the show. First, I do want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing intro. Uh, as always, I, I suggest everyone to please check out his website. He's a native storyteller, and native storytellers not only have good stories to tell, but it's their way of putting history out in front of us in forms and ways that will remember it and preserve it much better than the textbooks that we've been using lately, especially since they haven't been updated since, oh, Christopher Columbus almost discovered the United States. But I digress. Check him out on the, on, on, the, on the Internet. He and his wife are amazing native storytellers, and their CDs are phenomenal and fabulous to listen to. I have with me again tonight Mary Joyce, who is one of my favorite people to talk to because she never she – never, lets me down in having a, a ton of wonderful material. She is, among other things, a gifted author, and she's written um, books that are outrageously amazing um, on Christ, on Bigfoot, on the little people. And they all of them are, are well worth reading. They all are beautifully, beautifully illustrated, and they give you information that that was probably inspired by her website but she has gone much further into them and i highly recommend you you check out her books because especially the bigfoot one if you're only going to buy one that's the one you buy because when i read it i cried it was so beautifully done the other thing she does that is profound and a gift to all of humanity and i and i seriously mean that she is the editor of skyshipsovercashiers.com which is one of the best websites out there ever. She researches articles 
she researches information. She puts her documentation out there. She puts graphics out there. She writes short little vignettes, I guess is the best way to put it, on the material, and she gives you enough so that you are almost driven to research it yourself and go beyond what she's put there. Not only is the website phenomenal in that there are 20 or 30 articles there, she has archives that go back over a decade so that not only can you see what is currently on her plate, but you can see what she's been into over, you know, she's not old by any means, but the archives go back in history. They go back further than she or I do, probably, but her research into them doesn't. She is phenomenal. She documents. She doesn't put anything up there that she hasn't been able to prove, which is which is rare. And she gives you insightful information and doesn't tell you what to think, but gives you material so that you can form your own opinions, which I think is a gift and a talent that many people just don't have. So do check out cashier sky, sky check out skyshipsovercashiers.com, but don't do, do it till after the show, please. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Mary. Hi, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, doing very well, actually. Good. That I was a very, so, so very nice introduction. Uh, thank you so much. Um, and thank you for mentioning the book, the Bigfoot book. And I do want to do a follow-up on that. Um, that has nothing to do with the book, but everything to do with the Bigfoot. And um, one of the top stories on uh, on the homepage is simply uh, listed as legislature, legislator once Bigfoot hunting season. And this is for real. There's an Oklahoma state representative, uh, State um, Justin Huff- Humphrey, and he wants to actually establish an official Bigfoot hunting season, and he would like to have a bounty of at least $25,000 for the first person to trap a Bigfoot. And... Um, I just find this reprehensible because, as you and I have talked about before, uh, there is so much evidence that this is just not just an, not an ordinary animal. Uh, Dr. Melba Ketchum, a number of years ago, discovered that uh, the Bigfoot ha- is half uh, human as far as the DNA is concerned. The other half is uh-huh. some unknown primate. So I just kind of lightly say that they're really our distant cousins, and we shouldn't be shooting them. And uh, your wonderful um, storyteller at the beginning of your your uh, intro um, uh, talks about the Native Americans, and mm-hmm. they have regarded the Bigfoot as another clan of people, and so you wouldn't want to go in shooting another clan of people. And so... Uh, and they've also, the Bigfoot have also done wonderful things like they've actually saved human beings. Um, they try to avoid most of us because we aren't all the most wonderful creatures in the world. But they have wonderful qualities and they just shouldn't be shot uh, by somebody for the joy of it. And this particular gentleman, I don't know if I can remember what he said, but uh, um, oh yeah, establishing an actual hunting season and issuing licenses for people who want to hunt Bigfoot will just draw more people to our already beautiful part of the state. And this is the best sentence. 
It will be a great way for people to enjoy our area and have some fun. So let's go shoot some Bigfoot. If other people that uh, I might be listening to, uh, to your show um, feel the same way, in that article I actually give um, uh, some of the top uh, legislators in uh, Oklahoma with their phone numbers so you can uh-huh. call and uh, actually leave a little message about this. So that is a spinoff from a subject that you and I have talked about before but never about this uh Bigfoot hunting season, which I hope does not happen. Well, you know, when when you stop and think about it, to my knowledge, I mean, I have not heard of Bigfoot. I mean, they haven't hurt anybody. They've thrown rocks at people for sure. But when you stop to think about it, they haven't hurt us because possibly we are too primitive. I mean, when you look at the, the, the evolution thing, it feels to me as though their society is more cultured and more gentle than ours. And so, so therefore, I, you know, the thought of getting out there and trying to shoot one or kill one is just bizarre. I mean, they're intelligent. The neg- Why would you? Go ahead. Well, any of the uh, horror stories almost always involve hunters who are shooting at them. Or, you uh-huh. know, people who are just in, in, I don't know, even going after them, like with some of these hunting shows, let's hunt down Bigfoot type of programs. You know, oh, they yeah. just don't want them invading their space. And when they, they're known for throwing rocks at people, but they don't hit the people. All they're doing with their sounds and their rocks is to try to scare people away. And the the uh, volume they're able to create with their Voices are, uh, you know, certainly enough to scare most people away. Uh, but um, uh, it's very, very rare that you hear something where they've been just out of the blue uh, violent to human beings. Well, yeah, and yeah, they are, they have families, so they have communities. And, and it, it feels to me as though, Basically, we're invading their territory. They're not invading ours. And there's no respect. I mean, why can't we just leave them alone? I mean, I, they don't want to infringe upon us. They, they, they really don't seem to want to communicate with us, except for people who are possibly sensitive enough so that they are isolated enough so that there is a, a gentleness and a tenderness about them. And, and, and then they do communicate to a certain extent. But... This is ridiculous. This is just, this is obscene. This is bloodthirsty. This is, I'm all for people having guns. I think it's the right of every person to have a gun if they want one. But to go out and I've kill included a gentle... I've included in that posting, I've included a photo of, of uh, Justin Humphrey, and he's got the cowboy hat on, and he's got the uh, western tie, you know, where it looks like a silver uh, medallion mm-hmm. with the string. Uh, I guess it's a western string tie. And, uh, yeah. you know... It, the image is kind of fits his attitude, and he's got the, you got a picture of the rifle with the telescope on it. That, that's that's not even sportsmanlike for Pete's sakes. I mean, uh, that's, I'm not that's correct. I, I am not into hunting animals of any sort. Um, I think people know. that have the hunting instinct could accomplish so much with a camera. Because the joy of, uh, if they have that kind of joy, the joy in tracking the animal and getting a photo should be a, an alternative to trying to kill them. Uh-huh. 
Although there are some pests that I don't mind, you know, sending on to the next incarnation. Well, um, that's different. If you've got, uh, you know, I don't know, animals that are killing your livestock and, and you know, uh-huh. you can kind of understand why um, perhaps farmers have the right to do that. But we're, that we're not talking about a creature that has such human qualities on the good side, no. not our bad side, because we've been showing a whole lot of our bad side lately. As human beings. Yes. No, it just it blows my mind and, and I, I wanna bring up your 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 Bigfoot book again. Um you know, 'cause this is this is not an author pushing her book, this is someone who has read the book and decides that it's it's well worth pushing. And I and I don't get kickback either. Um the book the book is, is so well written and it, it shows you the human the tender side of these creatures and 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 it talks of them and their children it shows families it shows them helping people i mean it just is is so heart-wrenching to think that that you know there are people out there trying to trap them trying to i i mean i understand wanting to get to know them but you know unless they want to get to know you it's it's not going to happen and and so all of this is just it will drive them further and further into into the backwoods where where probably they should be because it's safer there not not because I want to isolate them but because I want them to be safe um this is horrible and the fact that you know they they want uh, put a bounty on somebody's head i mean you know the i don't know who it was the russians i think or somebody put a bounty on the heads of American soldiers and things it like that. It was the Russians. You know, it was okay, but but this is awful. We're not fighting over anything. We are sharing territory, so there's no reason for this. I mean, other than you know, um, sooner or later it's going to happen that somebody is going to you know. He's saying trap. If he says trap, he isn't saying kill. But oh no, and then but you, no, it's it, two different. It's two different things. Is it? it? There's it's Bigfoot hunting season. Plus, he's offering a bounty if somebody traps one. Ugh. Well, I so, think it's terrible. I, I I sincerely hope that people who share our point of view on this uh, will go to the website Skyships Over Cashers. On the right-hand side of the homepage, we list, like, I don't know, like uh, the 20 most recent stories, and it's uh-huh. it's listed there. It's like one, two, three. It's like third from the top right now. <clears throat> so you just click on that, and the, the story will open, and you'll have phone numbers. Uh, you're not going to get a real person. You're going to get an answering machine. Um, but the, they pay attention to the messages. So um just think real clearly what you want to say. Be real to the point, and just leave your message. Mm. Well, I I hope that that people do that because uh, this is, you know, in in a world where so much is going crazy and there's so much upheaval everywhere and there's so much confusion, to do something like this is is just it's disgusting. I mean, uh, for those people who are listening to the show who may not have heard you and I talk about this before, I'd like to just mm-hmm. share one example of a story from the book that's real. 
and okay. it gives you an idea of the uh, the the positive human side of the Bigfoot. And there is a woman who lives uh, in South Carolina. She uh, has you know a number of acres of land that's wild land, and she had a uh, Shetland pony, and she it was always getting out. She put an electrical fence around it. She you know did everything, and she finally resorted to getting a 250 foot boat rope so when she would go to bed at night he wouldn't escape and uh, disappear well it didn't matter what she did even with the rope even with the fence every morning she'd get up and the pony was gone and she eventually found it every time it was off in the woods its uh, water bucket and its feed bucket had been dragged out there where he was and (laughs) what really cinched it was one day she discovered um, little handprints and a muddy butt print on the uh, uh, pony, and uh, the Bigfoot were giving their children's children rides on the pony. Oh, that is. So and the cool. pony apparently was very cooperative. Oh, that is so cool. I, I just think that's just kind of sweet. It is sweet, and there are stories of, of Bigfoot's saving soldiers' lives. During, was it um, was Yeah, every, War, thing, every it? story that I have in the book, um, and, and they all have photos or illustrations or something to go with every story. Every mm-hmm. one of them is something current or contemporary except for one, and it's a great story from the Civil War. Uh, it's... Um, it was written um, old paper with the old style writing and the old style ink, and it was like um, a diary of the war experience that this soldier wrote for his family, like just to I don't know as a family hand me down. And he was uh, almost mortally wounded during one of the battles of the Civil War. Uh, there's a whole lot to the story. I'm not going to get into it all, but. Uh, uh, he he looked up when he thought he was dying, and there were two big legs there that he described like hairy tree trunks. Um, they did not have the term Sasquatch or Bigfoot at that time, and so he called them the forest people, and they took him to uh, an underground cave, and he goes into great detail about how they saved them, uh, saved him. And so that's the uh, only really historic picture or story that I have in the book. Um, and it's, like I said, it's it's uh, uh, probably longer than anything, any of the other chapters, but it's well worth reading. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and like I said, uh, some of the stuff that you wrote about in there, I sat with tears strike, drip, you know, dripping down my face because there is a sweetness to them about, excuse me, about... Um, Sharing gifts and um, it, 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 the material is just—it's—it's—it's heart wrenching. It's so beautiful. So, um, and your other books are good too. Don't get me wrong. But, but it's clearly this is the one you like the best. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> but though I—I I, I don't think you'd be one that would really be that interested in underground secret military bases. That's one of the other ones, and I just don't see how that would be at the top of your list. It would be at the it's top not at the of some top people. Of my list, but 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 I so. did read it, and I did you know I I I have it, um, and the little people as well. 
Um, actually, the little people were fascinating because you you talk about where where this group that you um, that you were looking at and into were because their passageways and everything were found uh, at a school that was under construction and. So fascinating was I, fascinated was I that I Googled it and I find that that there are huge, huge places here in Tennessee where where there have been bodies of the little people found. So I'm in little people territory here. So um, it's it's at really one time very at one time there must have been a whole bunch of them throughout uh, uh, the southern Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, I would say so. Um, one of the other. Um, articles that that you wrote also for this month or um, was about a remarkable lady named Mary Hall who had a stroke and usually when people have strokes you know it slows them down and you know it it compromises them sometimes but though she is slightly compromised she hasn't let it stop her and she has become an amazing computer detective on um, on, on the computer uh, about undersea discoveries, and I just I am so impressed by this lady that even though she's compromised, she's actually found three undersea discoveries of ancient ruins that that may well be pre-flood, and and um, and you have you want you have you have the the pictures of them up on your website so that they can be seen and you can see the sites you can see um you know where where she has found things i'm wondering about one of them though if possibly it could be a um a site of a, of an asteroid hit of some sort you mean the very the first circle. one that she has there um, yeah, I I wouldn't think so because when you look there's it, what what she's what you're describing is something that's uh, uh, 60 miles in diameter and it looks like a perfect circle but there are many shapes within it. Uh, if it had been hit uh, like with an asteroid or like a blast, you wouldn't have these different heights within the circle. So it looks uh-huh. more like a, a circle of uh, let's say if it's a civilization. It would be uh, building structures within um, a, an outer circle, of perhaps of protection, uh, but it does not and, have the fingerprint yeah. of uh, an asteroid hitting hitting the Earth, other than the fact the, it's round. The um, Norse people. And again, if an to... asteroid were to hit it, it probably uh, it probably would have more of a jagged circle effect, and this one doesn't. Yeah. It's it's more sharp edge. Um, the I have to, the last the last time you and I uh, spoke on you know on the program, uh, I really really spent a lot of time talking about using Google Earth as um, a detective tool and how you can find many things. And I shared uh, stories of things I've found uh, that are clearly ancient off the coast of California, and we elaborated uh-huh. on four of them. It was after that that I was contacted by this lady's uh, caretaker. And, um, uh, you know, between he and I, uh, we were able to uh, get these three different sites that she had found. So that was the result of, uh, you know, the conversation that you and I had. And Uh um, the reason I think it's important to bring it up again is 
because people need hope. And even those, she, I don't think she, at least she can't talk well enough that I can talk to her on the phone. Uh, mm-hmm. But her mind still works. She spends most of her time um, in bed. Uh, but she's constantly using, I believe it's two computers. So not only does she monitor things using Google Earth, which I think is a wonderful, wonderful tool, uh, she also monitor, uh, monitors the um, International Space Station and a whole lot of other things. And she just searches for these different uh, anomalies. And she has a, I don't think, there's a, a YouTube channel that um, I guess uh, posts many of her things. I'll say it, it, if somebody doesn't have a pencil, it's probably not going to be something easy to remember but the YouTube channel would be like Mr. Capital M and small r, and the rest of the letters are capital. So it's Mr. M-B-B and then 333. And I'll uh-huh. say it one more time. It's M, small r, then uppercase M-B-B and 333. And um, so she has an outlet where she's able to share what she finds and... Uh, now she has another outlet that uh, if she finds something else of interest, we certainly would be open to posting it. So everybody can become a detective, even if you're handicapped. Oh, geez, yeah. I mean, well, you know, very often handicaps give you the opportunity to experience gifts that you hadn't utilized before. And she has a sensitivity for sure because, and I love that she found things off the coast of Antarctica. I mean, that... And, and now, those are, are really struck. remarkable because um, they really look like um, the foundations that you would see for um, pyramid structures in South America. It's like, uh-huh. it looks like maybe the top part was lopped off, but uh, they clearly have a um, geometric uh, shape to them. Absolutely. And, and then things off the uh, barrier reef in Australia. Um, again, she's finding, and, and when you look at these structures, I mean, it took um, it took somebody with with amazing perception to be able to see the outline of what what obviously are structures, and yet and yet she must have gone over these so very slowly that she was able to catch that they looked like structures, because right. you know a lot of times when you see stuff like this. It doesn't register that these are structures, and and the ones that were off the Barrier Reef in Australia, I mean, those are so clearly structures. It's you you can't you can't possibly dismiss them. And and what I love is you have given the um, latitude and longitude of all of these things that she found, so that people can actually plug this into Google Earth and go see them yourself. Um, and I do that on purpose because there are so many people that put things out there and they play games with Photoshop, and we've, be, we've reached a point where, you know, we wonder, is anything true? So I uh-huh. give people the coordinates so they can go and see it for themselves. I think that's really important. It's um, Google Earth is very particular. You have to use the little uh, degree marks and stuff just the way they do it. So when you look at articles like this, it's best to copy and paste 
the coordinates into the Google Earth uh, search bar. And then you won't, if you don't, if you get the little degree mark wrong or something uh, very simple, you won't find anything. <laughs> yeah, I, and I've the done other that. good thing about Google is you that you have like a, a tool, and on each of these in her are um, in the article about her, you'll find a yellow line, and that's a measuring line. And and I tell you how we're you know we're able to tell you how long things are, or you know how wide or whatever, uh, because otherwise you can't begin to visualize you know how big these things really are. The latest thing that you mentioned, the one off of uh, Australia with the Great Barrier Reef, uh, that is um, almost 14 miles wide. Wow. So we're not talking small structures. No, and and um, I, I haven't had the time, but but I, I do want to go look at them myself because you know, you always like to discover stuff, and if you were going to advise somebody to sort of play play and become one you know a a detective is it wisest to look around just the coastlines of places rather than you know i don't know in the middle <laughs> i mean well it, right we were focusing deliberately on undersea type of things um uh-huh. i i have found uh surface things um for example, uh, when I was exploring Antarctica, uh, I found something that looks like uh, the ancient structures that, that they found in South Africa that are supposed to be about 75,000 years old. The structure is very, very similar. That was found by using Google Earth, and we were, you know, not going underwater. So I don't want anybody mm-hmm. to think that, you know, these uh, discoveries are only made that way. Uh, you can use Google Earth, and you can take a better look at some of the those South African structures. Um, uh, you can take Google Earth, and there's an icon at the very top of the Google Earth page, and it look, I think it's Saturn. You can tap on that, and you can switch and start searching Mars. And, uh, you know, you can find many things on the surface there. We found entrances into it. We found things that look like contemporary um, um, structures, not just ancient things. Um, that look like, uh, what do they call them, biospheres. And uh-huh. In fact, uh, one of the articles that I did uh, shows the work of a man who specializes in creating biospheres that are for, you know, the future, supposedly. Well, I put uh-huh. one of his illustrations right next to something I found with Google Earth on Mars, and it, there's a, quite a bit of a similarity which indicates to me that we're already there. Oh, I would say so. And I, you just led into the the entrance hole into Mars Cavern, which I think is phenomenal. Um, it's it's a 115 foot wide hole um, on Mars, and um, it's is this one of the NASA's photos? Is there's there, there's satellite imagery that oh, you know NASA is the only one that can do these kind of things, uh, uh-huh. but you can that's that's where the original imagery comes from. It looks like an eye, but I, I but, don't know what you're looking at right now because I've put so many of these up from Mars. Actually, oh, there's been quite the, a bit the, to describe. It's the entrance hole to Mars Cavern. 
on okay, Sunday. Okay, now that that is not a man-made structure, though it appears to be an entrance into the interior of the planet. Um, uh-huh. We've found other structures that clearly are um, man-made in a more traditional sense, where you have... Um, Oh, almost, you know what a doorway looks like with the lintel and the post uh, that yeah. look that way, except they're enormous. I mean, they're like thousands of feet sometimes in in height. And they clearly go into the uh, planet, and there's we found a number of these. It's not just one. And um, I, I should tie this together. Uh, there was a, an article not too long ago um, I don't know if I can even find it for you, if it's still up on that page or not. Yeah, I can find it. Um, There is a man who headed up Israel's security space space program for quite a long time, from 1981 to 2010. And after he retired, he went public, and the Jerusalem Post and then other newspapers uh, published his... um, I call it his confession, uh, and that was in December, December 8, 2020, so you can find that in the Jerusalem Post. Um, I have uh, several short paragraphs from that article, but I'll just uh-huh. give you uh, a couple things. He said, um, they, referring to the aliens, they have been waiting for humanity to evolve and reach a stage where we will generally understand what space and spaceships are. There's an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens. All right, so that's a a little part of it. Another quote, there's an underground base in the depths of Mars where they're, referring to the ETs, where their representatives are and also are American astronauts. So when you see, uh, using Google Earth on Mars, and you find things that look like more contemporary structures, and you put this together with a statement from uh, somebody who has wonderful credentials. I mean, to be the head of uh, Israel's security space program for, you know, God, almost 30 years, I guess. Um, uh-huh. that's, no, that's no small thing. That's, num- that's not somebody you just blow away as some kook pot. And, uh, uh-huh. again, I, I've got the important part on, in the article, but I do have it with the date, with the Jerusalem Post, December 8, 2020. Uh, so if anybody wants to go back to an original source, they can. That's what I love about your website. Um, you're so meticulous. There, There is an authenticity and, uh, and a nobility to how you put these things up so that you know, you you don't you can't play. I doubt it with the stuff you put up there because it doesn't go up unless it's well documented. And I love that about you. It, it's probably the only place that I know of where if something is on it, it's been fully documented. And you can't say that to about the best, newspapers. To the best of my you know? to the best of my ability. Yeah. Yeah. That we all well, have yeah. our limitations, but to the best of my ability, I try to do that. And that's just because at one portion of my uh, career in the past, uh, I was I worked for newspapers, and it was good training. Oh yeah, I mean you you just don't um, you don't find your kind of um, professionalism 
any place that I have noticed of late. And I'm sure there are people and reporters out there that are as 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 meticulous as you are, but your website is the only place where I know for sure that that if you if it's up here you have researched it to the best of your ability. And you know, you you, you know, I, I may not you know, agree totally sometimes with your interpretation, but I do know that whatever picture you put up there has been authenticated and it's not, you know, something that's been photoshopped or anything. But um, Well, I, something I think that you're... we just put up, and this shows how um, uh, when I'm working on stories, the stories can, it can change and evolve. And this uh-huh. is one that's, um, uh, it's, it's got to be at the very top now. And the title is Mystery at the Edge of the Moon's Dark Side. And it's a photo, which I can't even really describe. There are these clusters of, I mean, obviously they're not small, but when you see the picture, they look like a whole bunch of little round clusters of dots. And, of course, you know, compared to the moon, you know they aren't small. And Mm -hmm. so I was just running with that uh, story when I started. It comes from... Uh, a book by um, uh, Charles Byrne, and it was his job with NASA to find landing spots um, for the moon projects so that they would not only have a a safe place to land, but also a place that might offer scientific um, uh, intrigue or, you know, possible interesting discoveries. And so Uh that picture was, was his, and I'm so I'm going off trying to imagine what these little dot clusters might be, and I was starting to write it, you know, with possible explanations for these. Then I went a step further, and it got much more interesting uh, because he mentioned that um, after uh, the lunar orbit, orbiter missions ended in 2001, and there were five of those missions, that some of those photos were posted on a website called Lunar Planetary Institute. So I took the next step. I went to that site. I started investigating the the photos that I finally found. They don't make it real easy to find this stuff. And I found the same kind of uh, dot clusters, except these weren't on the moon. They were just to the side of the moon. So they were Uh in space. And they looked so similar to the ones that appeared to be on the moon. And I'm going, well, gee, maybe these were just clusters in space going past the moon. And so you just get, you know, you just get deeper and deeper into it. So I went from thinking that these were some kind of an oddity on the moon, but when I took another step, I found out it was something quite different. Very fascinating. I mean, they look, I mean, I thought when I saw them that it was mold. It almost looks like mold. Well, it kind of does look that way. I've been trying to find, you know, because, I mean, obviously I have photos on the website, but when you talk on the radio, you go, okay, how in the world do you describe these? And I really haven't come up with a description of these things. And, you know, mold, I guess, uh, might be part of the answer. I don't know. But But each of those little dots is... Yeah, you know, the fact is that 
you know, then you see them out in the space stringing, you know, and they're, they're, they're still stringing in the same shape that they were when they looked to be on the face of the moon, but now they're out in space. Right. And, it leaves, you know, I... I makes yeah. you wonder. <laughs> Plus, I've got a third a, photo that's on the page, and again, there's no way I can describe this. Um, photo frame uh, 5019 is the one that looks sort of like our algae in space. Uh-huh. And in the very next photo, they all change their, they reorganize from one picture yeah. to the next. They, yeah. they reorganize. And I just go, okay, what in the world, What what's going on here? And I don't have an answer. And I, you know, I, I think this will be intriguing to anybody who looks at it. I think it will be fascinating to see, I mean, I can, I, I can, well, imagine what conspiracy theorists are going to say. Um, it, it they don't look as though they were um, crafts as much. I, they, I I'd love to see them blown up. I can't make them that big on my computer, but I would love if, if anyone who listens to this and and who goes to this page, you know, send Mary what you think these these figures are because um they're they're phenomenal and you can get to Mary through her website and just, you know, mention you heard her describing this on the show and you have an idea or an inspiration or in whatever. Um all I can think of myself is that these are a, a traveling community of uh of like a space colony. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. Do not know. What was what was that? Science fiction, Battlestar Galactica. Was that it? I don't know. Believe it or not, it. as much as I do this stuff, I'm not totally up on uh, science fiction movies. I should be, but I'm not. Okay, this this was a TV series, and it was Battlestar Galactica, I believe. And all of humanity was on a whole bunch of ships, all sorts of sizes, shapes, and forms that had um, escaped the destruction of Earth. Hmm. And and it was their journey through space looking for home again, and hmm. and, and they were in clusters just like this, just like this. Wow. They were clustered like that in space. Uh, it was a good series. I enjoyed it. You know, well, and I won't spoil it for anybody. Like this, I may have may have to watch this. Well, you know, it's 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 really funny because they left their home planet, and. Uh, you know, I'll ruin the whole thing for you. Um, spoiler alert. Well, I hope alert. Netflix or somebody like that has it so I can see it. Well, they they did many seasons. In the final season, they did actually find a planet that they could they could land on and that they could all, you know, gather on and that they they could. And it turns out that the planet they left wasn't Earth, but the planet they found after many seasons was Earth, and they were the original populated this planet hmm. there were a whole bunch of years in my life when i was in in college and you know when i was working that i just did not watch a whole lot of tv and uh, um thanks to uh, covid i've caught up on many of the things i never saw before <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, so I haven't I. caught up on that one <laughs> no that that one was spectacular the other really spectacular picture you had and let's go back to Mars 
was that UFO that skidded to a stop on Mars. Now, that was an impressive uh, picture um, of, of an object that appears to have you know, skidded almost a mile across the surface of Mars. Right, so and this it, was it, another it, one where I found it with Google Earth, and the tools for measurement really, again, help because you begin to realize the enormity of what you're seeing because, you know, when you see it in terms of the whole planet, it, you could just maybe bypass it. Then you zoom in and you go, oh, my goodness. And there is what I clearly feel is a long skid mark, and when I measured it, uh, it was 4,422 feet long. Now, that's a pretty wow. good skid. And the uh, vehicle itself um, is, and again, this is slightly approximation because, uh, anyhow, it's uh, 406 feet long and 367 feet across. And it's it looks like it comes to a dead end when it runs into too much... Um, I don't know, earth or whatever whatever you call earth on Mars, dirt. Um, dirt. <laughs> um, and Mary does also give the latitude and longitude. So, And as she said before, cut and paste it and put it into Google Mars um, because that way, you know, you, you will definitely get the same picture she got, hopefully. Um, it's just, it's, I can't imagine what else it could be if it had been an asteroid or a comet. It wouldn't have had that kind of shape. Uh, no, it wouldn't. And you wouldn't have. You can see where I'm going to say the Earth or where the dirt is. You can see where it seems to have smashed into it, like it finally came to an end and it even mm-hmm. pushed up the dirt in front of it. I mean, it truly looks that way. And oh, ab- it, you're absolutely. in you're in the section right now. Uh, that let's see, you're in global links. That you're in the current things. It's the uh, things from 2020 to 2021. And so, just skimming through that section, there's a whole lot of things that will just kind of blow your mind. And if you scroll down from that, um, we get into the things you and I talked about before with the underground structures. Um, yeah. And then there's something um, that I did not get with Google Earth, but I'll give a plug to another uh, website or uh, YouTube channel. And they have a series called Mars Ruins Explain This. And this particular channel, I don't know how they pronounce it. It's It looks like Oasis on the Fly. It's O-A-S-I-C-E, Oasis on the Fly. And... Since uh, for about a year now, uh, maybe every week or so, they will um, post about a five-minute segment um, of video images that the satellites on Mars have picked up, and they go real slowly. And most of the time when they see structures, you kind of go, okay, maybe that's something. Um, Uh It's a little bit sometimes like looking at clouds and seeing shapes. But they found this one that truly looks like um, the the top and the side of a, a, a doorway or a, a window or uh, something made out of cement or, you know, it, it doesn't look, it's ancient, it looks broken, uh-huh. but it's not something where you have to bring a lot of imagination to it to see. Uh, it, it looks like maybe something fell off a structure in Greece. 
from one of the old Greek ruins. And wow. I found that very fascinating. So uh, that's another thing in that same section. You can keep scrolling down. It's it's the global links. Uh, and then beneath that is one where uh, the ice has been melting in Antarctica. And you can see uh-huh. half of a disk that's now being exposed. And again, I think I did it. I should have. Uh, yeah, I've got the coordinates there, so you can find it again for yourself. And uh, it's just there's just so much to see. There's a lot going on, and, and if anybody gets bored, just start exploring some of these things. It will keep you going for a while. Oh, geez, yeah. And you know, especially, you know, I'm fascinated with Antarctica. So um, <clears throat> there's even a, a lake there that they can't explain how it stays. Not frozen. I mean, I can explain it. It has to be has to have something to do with heat from below. But no, um, there's another there's another possible. Well, that's true. I'm not really arguing with you on that. But there are more volcanoes, I think, than concentrated there on the west coast of Antarctica than I believe any other place in the world. So uh-huh. volcanic activity can be heating all this stuff up, also. That would be interesting. I, I know. Have they done any um, ground penetrating radar at all there? I mean, they can or lidar. They can do. They can do that from this. From you know, a drone. Um, I think. I, I don't have anything that I have personally run into. Um, the lidar um, is is incredible what it can do. Whether somebody's uh-huh. done that. Um, in Antarctica, and whether it's available for any of us to see, I do not know. Well, the LIDAR would just take off the surface stuff. It wouldn't really go beneath the surface, or, or, or does it? I know it takes off I the surface stuff. It takes off the surface stuff. How deep it goes, I'm not sure. We are doing a story. Oh, when is this going to be posted? Uh, trying to find my stuff. Uh, I have worked on one... Uh, with the discoveries with the LIDAR that we'll be uh, posting. Oh, geez. Don't even know if I can pull it up for you. I can't. Anyhow, um, LIDAR um, discoveries uh, will be coming up shortly. Oh. Well, I know that, that, you know, in so many instances, especially with... um, unexplainable things going on, like like there's the Skinwalker Ranch and then there's the Blind Frog Ranch. Um, both of them are using ground-penetrating LIDAR, uh, radar to, to see what's underneath the ground, what's going on, what, what could possibly be creating some of the uh, manifestations of unusual events that are on the surface. And, you know, you do begin to... And I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering here again, if you, I wonder if you used lidar over the water, would it be able to get to the bottom of the ocean? I don't know, but I can. Do, I uh, I was looking on my computer to tell you about what we're going to be doing next week. Um, uh-huh. I did find my printout copy of it, um, and the title is going to be at least twenty-seven new, and those are in quotation marks. At least twenty-seven new. Ancient Mayan ruins have been found. And there is a professor from the University of Arizona who's been uh, using uh, that technology, and he's discovered uh, just um, ancient cities. I mean, quite remarkable. And I've got um, 
one, two, I think three. I've got three different um, of those images of three different sites, and so if you sometime probably about a week from now it'll be on the website. Is is this in the northern part of South America, or the southern? Uh, there's got one from Mexico, one from Guatemala, one from Belize. Okay. But, I mean, that's not. I'm not saying that's the extent of what he's done. Those are the ones that I am posting. I know they've got a lot of uh, of of um, area there that they, they that has been un undocumented, and they've been using the lidar to to find these towns and villages and. In some cases, they've found little temples and stuff like that, and when they've done their LIDAR, they've realized that it's it's not isolated. It's part of a huge complex that right. just hasn't been uncovered. And it, it, it looks fascinating. And you start to, you, you, you begin to wonder about how, how vast and amazing the cultures were that were down there. And one of the reasons, not all, but one of the reasons we find so much antiquity in South America is that it never had, uh, because of the sh- because of the shifts of the poles and the different locations that the North Pole had, um, the the glacier and the ice cap never reached South America. So South America was never put into an ice age. It it was you know functional throughout all time. It never had that. Well, let's let's rest for a hundred thousand years in the ice. Um, it, it, it had a constant population of some sort hmm. that was ongoing. Interesting. Yeah, so that we was had cool everything free. We had everything freeze over in the uh, South Pole and the North Pole and the Upper Hemisphere. And um, actually, not the South Pole. The South Pole. The South Pole. The South Pole. Time. They've done no. Hold on. They they've had. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but uh, they have found ancient uh, forest uh, remnants in Antarctica. Oh, so absolutely. there's ice now that wasn't wasn't there before. One of the pole shifts put um, Antarctica almost into the temperate zone for a period of time. They had they had uh, weather like we we have here in the south. And then, of course, um, it switched back. It was right. a plate and shift I, and a pole shift. Uh, no argument. That's probably very correct. But I just think it's fascinating that when they get – there was, a, I think, some professors from the university, I think it was Wisconsin. We did a story on it. I don't know how to quickly find things. Um, and <laughs> they they're the – I mean, they're, it's like moss. It's like ferns. It's like things that would only grow in a very warm climate. Mm-hmm. I'll send you I'll send you a link to the book that goes about the it's it's a short book but it, it talks about the pole shifts and how the climate changed and the only place where the climate never really hit an ice age was South America and that's where hmm. we have the oldest antiquities. Now what about South Africa? Well, that's probably the same. You know, I okay. I don't really know, but I you know, I, I had I, I, I had this man. On the sh- on the uh, I interviewed him last week, I think, and um, what was the name of his book? Before Atlantis, uh, with Mark Carlotto, and he's he talks about the the, pole, the the plate shift and the pole shift and what happened to the cultures when that happened. 
Hmm. It was really an interesting book. Well, the reason I was bringing up South Africa is because that's supposed to be at least 75,000 years old, and you can still see the, uh, you know, remnants or the base structure of where all these things were. Absolutely. But obviously the things in in South America are, uh, you know, much more, you know, three-dimensional than just a footprint of Mm -hmm. something. And when I went to uh, the Yucatan and, uh, you know, even flying in, you could see perhaps the top of, I don't know, there would be um, pyramid-shaped just greenery sticking up out of nowhere and you'd see it in all directions. None of it had been ever excavated. And even at that point, which was quite a few years ago now, I thought there must be a whole lot more you know, civilization under these jungles than we know uh, because that was just too peculiar to see these different, uh, you know, peak shapes coming out of the, the forest. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so much history yet to be uncovered. It's so very Oh, exciting. my goodness, yes. Perhaps, well, and, we you have... know, we're, we're getting the tools now to do it, like the Ladar. Um, you know, it was a wonderful instrument. We did an article a long time ago based on the book, I think, oh, something about the monkey uh, kingdom or temple of the monkey god, and they uh-huh. used, uh, that title might not be exactly right, but they used Ladar and they discovered this whole, you know, vast structure or structures that they never would have found any other way. Well, you know, it's really lucky for us in a way that, that those things have been hidden for so long because maybe we won't destroy important stuff the way we have in the past when we've discovered antiquity. We can keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, mine are all crossed. Um, we're out of time, I'm sorry to say, but this has been such a pleasure again. And and I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to spend with with the audience and me because you bring forth so much fascinating stuff and want everybody to check out. Now I want everybody to check out your website, and that's <laughs> skyshipsovercashiers.com. And if people can't remember how to spell cashiers, if you type in skyships over, you'll probably find it. But cashiers is a town in North Carolina, but it's spelled just like a cashier at the uh, grocery store. Fair enough. And and do check it out because it, it is a fascinating place to go to, and the material is incredible and, as I said, absolutely meticulously, as best she can, authenticated. So thank you again, Mary. This has been such thank a you. lovely hour. Thank you. I enjoy talking it, to you. It always goes too fast. Thank you again, <laughs> and good Take night care. now. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Okay, every, okay, everybody, thanks for sharing your time with us. Do make sure that you follow us on uh, on YouTube and on Rumble, and uh, we will be back again next week, and Mary will be back again next month. And if you check out check out the website, barbaradelong.com, you'll be able to exactly know when she's going to be back and mark your calendar because she always has wonderful material. Good night now. <laughs>